All right, welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. Um, before the world ends, please check out the merch store, buy a goddamn t-shirt, a magnet, a fucking sticker. I don't care. Buy a goddamn something. Um, I mean, we got, you know, probably about 24 hours left <laughs> before everything goes to shit. And, you know... I'm trying to I'm trying to get my nut while I while I still can. So, holy shit! I mean, I am not going to dive into the um, geopolitical shitstorm that is the Israel Palestine conflict. All I know is that shit doesn't look fun at all. Also, why the fuck would you have a Why would you go to a music festival that's in the middle of the Gaza Strip? Now, boy, I've made horrible decisions in my life. Many of them. That would never have been one of them. (laughs) I mean, you couldn't get me to go within 500 miles of that whole fucking area. Holy shit. What a... It is crazy that in 2023, I'm living here in, you know, the good old Lone Star State. Really not a worry in the world. Meanwhile, across the ocean and a little bit further, there is a little strip of land that is about to be probably blown off the face of the earth. (laughs) And, like, I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of that. I'm just a, I mean, really just a big fucking idiot that kind of pretends to know things. I don't really know anything. Um, I do know that if this shit interferes with... Okay, so we are now diving into the time of year that makes me the happiest. Fall and winter. So, October 1st to whenever the fuck the Super Bowl is is my that's my prime of the year fuck summer fuck spring don't give two shits about any of that um october 1st to february 6th usually that is that's when i you know boy i could just fucking i mean i could bust through a diamond with the goddamn no anyways (laughs) i'm happy during this time of year. I don't know what the fuck's going on over there. But if that shit interferes. With any of this. Upcoming happiness. I tell you what. I'm go. I'm strapping up and going over there. And. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I mean. It'll be me versus fucking Mia Khalifa. Or me alongside Mia Khalifa. Whatever side you think I'm. Whatever side you're on. Hey. Uh, what a coincidence. So am I. Uh, I'm not picking sides on any of this bullshit. Um, But yeah, this shit just better. They need to take a fucking sabbatical. Wait till the Super Bowl's over and then, yeah, kick right back off into it. I don't give a fuck. Just don't ruin. I don't know how this would ruin this time of year. I guess, you know, I mean, they're not sending my ass over there. I, I am perfectly safe. <laughs> there is, boy, Uncle Sam does not want me. Um, I mean, it, it's almost as though I have been like inadvertently 
preparing myself to dodge the draft <laughs> for the past, I don't know, 15 years. Like the amount of natural lights, Jack Daniels, and Taco Bell five-layer burritos I've put into my system since I was 19, 18, 19, um, has led up to the moment where I get <laughs> that big old rejection stamp on my draft card. So, <laughs> you know, maybe some people should have taken a fucking hint. Uh, yeah, anyways, it just seems like a big old nightmare over there. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Both sides seem to hate each other basically equally, which leads me to believe that both sides have done fucked up stuff to each other. I don't know if that's even true. Um, I mean, some people are saying it's a gen. Everybody seems to be saying it's a genocide, but some people think it's a genocide this way. Some think it's a genocide that way. I don't think that's how genocide works. Um, I mean, I think that's how war works. (laughs) Genocide, usually one of the groups is... um, way more angry at the other group. (laughs) There's one group that seems to just be kind of minding their own fucking business. And then the other group is like, I think we'll wipe them out today. That's a genocide. This does not seem to be a genocide. This seems to be some shit that's gone back a long fucking time where both sides hate each other. That's my take. Now, whatever. Now, am I pro Israel, pro Palestine? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Um, my family seems to be pro-Israel, um, which is very interesting coming from a group of uh, <laughs> uh, redneck white people who have never just seemed super cool with the Jews. Um, but <laughs> but <laughs> within the last weeks have become massive fans of the state of Israel. Uh, so I don't know what the fuck that means. Uh, me, on the other hand, I you know, people are people. There, there are people of all groups who are very nice people. There are people of all groups who are complete assholes. I say, take out the assholes, leave the cool people. Um, now, whatever that means to you, well, all right. Anyways, um, I mean, just don't go to a fucking music festival that's in the Gaza Strip. Now, I, I don't know shit about shit, but I do know that... If there was a, if somebody invited me, said, "Hey, you want to go to a music festival?" I'd be slightly intrigued. Um, they could tell me that the fucking Beatles were rea- were having a fucking reunion tour, that Lennon and Harrison have risen from the dead, and they are performing at a, re- a reunion show. And if they told me that that was being that that was going to take place in the Gaza Strip, say, "Well, wasn't it? <laughs> Fuck them, <laughs> not going." Oh my. God. Now, I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be fucking killed for going to a music festival. Um, I mean, I guess, unless it's like Astro World or something. But, like, you should not run the risk of dying at a music festival. But I swear to God, I mean, you're kind of fucking, you're holding a match to a fuse a little too close. <laughs> if you're fucking, if you're hanging out anywhere in the Gaza Strip. I don't know. Whatever. Um, you know. Peace be among you, what, you know, whatever. Just don't ruin any of my shit. All right, so let's fucking move on to the topics of the day. I did not think I was going to dive into any of that shit, so sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I'm fucking talking about whatever the fuck I want. Here we go. 
All right, first uh, first news item of the day. Jada Pinkett Smith says she and Will Smith have been secretly separated for seven years. <laughs> Dude, Will Smith is you. Are, Will Smith, if by some miracle you are watching this, you are a bitch. You are such a fucking. I mean, I, as the kids say, a simp. Now, I mean, <laughs> I know a couple weeks ago, so. I have hated this family for as long as I can remember. The the Pinkett Smith household. I mean, if if I can Israel and Palestine want to do something, like, if they just need to kill people, I mean, well, if they just need to, you know, cause destruction just to get it out of their systems, get them motherfuckers. Jada Pinkett Smith, Will Smith, and their, their two dumbass kids are the most annoying people on the planet. They are. I mean, th- that is what fame does to people. And having kids who you push into being famous with you. You ruin these motherfuckers. Will Smith, I don't know. Will Smith was probably a pretty nice person. And a probably a pretty sane, stable person at one point in his life. Something happened to that son of a bitch that turned him into, I mean, just the most, he is such a bizarre fucking person. And now, now little Jada is, <laughs> I know a couple weeks ago on the episode, I mentioned that I believe that, um, I mentioned that I believe that Taylor Swift is a succubus. Uh, that, that still holds true. I am. With, I am 100% confident that Taylor Swift is, in fact, a female demon who sucks the life out of men to strengthen whatever the fuck they're doing. Now, it, me believing that succubi are real also means I have to believe in the lore of the succubi. The lore of the succubi is that they all work under one leader, a queen of the succubi. I am 99.9% sure that that queen, that demon bastard, is Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> I am... I have... I am so fucking confident in the fact that one day... One day, Jada Pinkett Smith will, on live TV, just strip through her skin and turn into a giant winged bat-like human and fly off into the underworld. It, There is nothing. I mean, I'm predicting in the next... She, I'm, she has been, I think, the cause of all wars in human history... She is, she's responsible for Jesus's death. I feel like if you went back in history, the way that you can look back, the way they look back at Pennywise and see that fucking clown in like old paintings and pictures of like, you know, go back and like, oh, Pennywise was always there anytime something bad happens. I guarantee you, if you looked up any paintings of like, you know, Jesus dead Fucking Gandhi, if you look back at the pictures of fucking Gandhi being shot, 
Kennedy being shot, you could probably zoom in and find Jada Pinkett Smith somewhere in those fucking pictures and paintings. For her to have (laughs) been separated, Will Smith did all that shit for nothing. For absolutely dick. He went up there and ruined his career with one bitch slap to fucking Chris Rock. Ruined his career to stick up for a woman who dumped his ass seven years ago. (laughs) And she probably, I am now even more convinced that she killed Tupac. She's throwing him under the fucking bus too. This fucker has been dead for 27 years. Jada Pinkett Smith, in this fucking interview, said that Tupac also had alopecia, but was too embarrassed to talk about it. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, she's acting like alopecia is the new AIDS. (laughs) Like, it's this shameful disease that people can't talk. Bitch, you're just bald. And you don't even look that bad bald. I mean, you kind of look like, well... In a way, you kind of look like Muggsy Bogue, but, you know, yeah, yeah, it could be worse. Like, you, Jada Pinkett Smith isn't that bad looking. I mean, she's not, you know. <sighs> I don't understand what the fuck is going on. Like, and then you see, like, their kids, Jaden and Willow Smith, and you think, like, you know, of course they turned out like that. Of course, Jaden Smith and Will Smith are just out of their goddamn minds. It's like, well, yeah, look at their fucking mommy and daddy. Mommy and daddy, <laughs> mom's fucking <laughs> all of your friends while dad is sitting in the corner crying, you know, fucking, you know, reciting lines from Fresh Prince, <laughs> like sucking his thumb, basically having a fucking panic attack. It is. Ah, man. Like, Will Smith... To go from being like... Like, I think at one point, Will Smith was the highest paid actor in Hollywood. And to just ruin that over some bald-ass demon (laughs) is hilarious. I mean, someone who has dumped your ass. Dumped your ass seven years ago. And, like, it was fucking all of your... Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I mean, she had him crying, like recorded him, set his ass up to embarrass him so many times. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) you fucking idiot. Oh, man. All right, well, there we go. Jada Pinkett Smith's a bitch. Will Smith is just such a fucking pussy as well. Fuck them. Fuck all that whole family. All right, move on. Ah, goddamn. Well, <laughs> let's add another to the list. Kanye West instructs wife Bianca Sensori to never speak again as rapper sets strict rules for her to obey. If you... Now, I'll say something about... I mean, a little Bianca Sensori. And now I know that I'm not one to talk. But there has never been more of a definition of a scepter face... You know, until I saw Bianca Sensori. Boy, what up? Like, 
See, this is the kind of shit where you're like, why are people just allowed to roam free in the world? Like, why are... Like, there should be... I mean, goddamn. Kanye West is out of his fucking mind, too. I don't get it. Like, are these people just crazy before they get famous? And then being famous just is like, oh, well, you're crazy, but now you're a millionaire and, you know, everybody knows who you are, so now we all get to see how crazy you are. Like, would Kanye West be doing this if he was still living in, you know, fucking Chicago, wearing a backpack everywhere he went? Like, would Kanye West be <laughs> having women try to look as un women who are just like strikingly stunning and trying to make them look as unfuckable as possible and then you know him i mean where walking around wearing a fucking mask and telling him they can never talk again like would he be doing that if he wasn't famous or did like fame turn him into a just a complete jack like a complete jackass i was gonna say jack off and then that switched to jackass so it came out weird but whatever i don't know i just think there was a bunch of people, whenever I read that article, there was a bunch of people saying, like, how Bianca Sensor's family should reach out to her. They need to help her, blah, 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 blah. Fuck that. She's doing this shit to herself. Like, if you are an adult human being and someone can make you, not by force, just by saying, like, like, I mean, she didn't have fucking duct tape over her mouth. Like, she's not, she didn't, she's not goddamn Patty Hearst. Like, she, is literally just walking, holding hands, and she just can't talk. <laughs> if you are so stupid that you can allow that to happen to you, you do not deserve help. Nobody needs to reach out to her to help her. Fuck that. She's a grown. She's a fucking grown up. He is too. I mean, if they want to do this dumb shit, whatever. Like, I mean, they have every right to. But you know, we have every right to think that they're both fucking lunatics. All right, moving on. Oh boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So, Naked Attraction quickly becomes Max's most popular series amid controversy for its uncensored displays of full frontal nudity. <laughs> okay. As soon as I heard about this show, oh, man. I Boy, was I happy. <laughs> I was like... So, one, I mean, I am a absolute sucker for trash TV. Like, I, I invest... So much of my energy, my time and energy into what is going on with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. That's just an example. And I've been like that forever. Like as a kid watching Laguna Beach, the Hills, um, real world. Like I've always loved just horrible reality TV shows. Dating shows, not quite as much. Now, I've, now. Granted, I did 100% grow up watching Room Raiders, Next, um, what was that one, Parental Guidance or Parental, Parental Control? Fuck. It was one, it was on MTV where like the parents watched the, their kid go on the date with the, ah, something like that. Shit. I just remember there was one dude, a guy on there who I think played for the Raiders, won the Super Bowl with the Raiders, and the fucking boyfriend was passing around his Super Bowl ring. <laughs> It's like that motherfucker would have had his neck ripped in half the second I watched that video. But yeah, whatever. Um, 
as soon as I heard about this one, I was like, oh my God, I have to check this out. And they are not joking when they, <laughs> they say that it... <coughs> <coughs> oh my God. What the fuck just happened? Oh well. Holy shit. Hmm. It felt like I just swallowed like 80 flies. <clears throat> All right. So whenever I saw... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, whenever I saw that they mentioned that there's going to be full frontal nudity on this, I was like, oh man, checking this out. Turn it on. It does not, it goes right into it. You are staring <laughs> at a lineup of peckers within 30 seconds. And I, um, if I ever had any doubts in my mind about like my sexual preferences, they were cemented like my, <laughs> by watching this, the male penis is without a doubt, the ugliest thing ever created by God himself or herself. And an uncircumcised one is even more disgusting. <laughs> like I, you know, I'll watch, you know, uh, uh, like I watch fucking Fight Club or something, and be like, "Oh damn, Brad Pitt, pretty handsome fella." Then I watch this, I'm like, "No, no, no, no!" <laughs> I like, whew, there we go." <laughs> like just looking at it, I mean, it looks like, I mean, god damn, an uncircumcised dick is just so fucking gross looking. Like it looks like an insect, like a. Like the thing on King Kong that like comes out of the water and like you know has the teeth on it, like that's kind of what it like. I'm so you know, and I know that like there's all these people that are like anti circumcision. They're like, oh, you're fucking mutilating a baby. Thank you. <laughs> I have never thanked my parents for this, but I need to. I am calling them as soon as I'm done with this and just saying thank you for mutilating my little baby penis. Because, oh my. God, I, I'm so glad it doesn't look like that. <laughs> I mean, my, you know, and I'm not saying I have some, you know, there ain't some, you know, piece of art down there, but, you know, it, <laughs> at least it doesn't look like, I mean, it's just like the hanging, like, oh, God, I can't imagine. And like, I guess people in Britain are like, is it just an American thing? Because, like, um, most of these dudes were not... Anyways, and then whenever I was like, oh, well, f okay, let's see let's see some ladies. And then you kind of like kind of forget the female vagina is not really, like, the nicest looking thing either. You know, it's weird that our brains are so wired to be, like, obsessed with genital, like, genitals. But they are not pleasant to look at. Like, in... You know, in the show, they're not doing any favors by just having people just stand there still and have the camera just zooming in on their, you know, there's no makeup down there or anything. Like, I mean, it is literally just drop trowel and, like, they're not fluffing anything up or something. Like, it is, it's real bizarre that, you know, like, how anyone is even here. Knowing, like, how bad, how disgusting sex was for people. Really, until like the last, I don't know, 60 years. 
<laughs> like how bad people must have smelled. How like, like how the fuck did anyone want to have sex back then? Like uh, this is the prime time of Earth's history to have sex, and I don't even want to do it. I'm, I mean, I don't think I'm alone in this either. I mean, granted, I think most people probably don't like just outright admit it, but like. I would much rather just fucking tug one out and go to sleep. Like, it is... Sex is not that fucking fun. Like, it's... I mean, granted, a lot of that has to do with my, like, you know... My diminished cardio and, you know... (laughs) And my options. But, uh... I don't know. I mean, even when I had, like, you know... Pretty decent options. This shit is not worth it. I mean, I can be, like you know, perfectly, you know, you know, like soft as a fucking bunny nuts. Go from that to completed within like three minutes. If I'm just by myself and like, yeah, I'd much rather do that than fucking worry about just knowing how gross I fucking must look. (laughs) I mean, I feel sorry for... Well, I don't know. It's a lights-off scenario. Always. <laughs> it is. Well, yeah, I mean, even if, like... I mean... I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I'll put a fucking piece of goddamn, you know, electric tape over my fucking smoke detector just for that light to not, you know, accidentally reflect off of anything. Yeah, yeah. I went way... I should not have talked about any of this. Oh, well. Um, Yeah, I just... I don't know. I mean, the show's pretty interesting. Nonetheless. But... It really... The problem is that they start from the foot... foot, Like, they're showing just... Like, I think it's... If I'm remembering right, it's like legs. They go up. Well, I guess you don't want to go down because you don't want to just start with face. But you kind of do want to start with face because sometimes, like, you look at a person and you're like, I bet that fucker's got a tiny little fucking thing. Or sometimes you look at people and you're like, I, that motherfucker's probably on a goddamn horse. And it'd be interesting to see, like, how right you are. I don't know what that says about me, but it can't be anything good. Mm. Maybe this, I think this whole podcast might have just been a mistake. And I don't mean like this episode. I mean like all of them. Because I really put things out there that, well, maybe I'd like to have back. Ah, fuck it. All right, so we, well, we did that. All right. Ah, oh, goddamn. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo reportedly sentenced to 99 lashes for adultery in Iran after Instagram photo. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. So back to original topic of the day. Um just stay the fuck out of there. I mean, you know, I mean I feel real bad for the people who have to deal with this bullshit on a day to day just because they were unlucky enough to be born there. But if you are Cristiano uh, Cristiano Ronaldo and you are so fucking rich. Like he has so much goddamn money. If you were him, you don't have, there's no reason for you to be there. 
And if you're going to go there for whatever for whatever stupid fucking reason, you better be on your you better be minding your P's and Q's the entire time. Like you should know before you go over there, don't fucking touch anything. <laughs> like yeah. I mean, and yeah, and, and and I know, like, all he did was give her like a little hug, and I think he kissed her forehead. I know that that's nothing, but guess what? You went to a place where that isn't nothing. You went to a place where that gets your ass whipped ninety nine times. Holy fuck! He deserves it. Like, I mean, obviously this is gonna turn into some big fucking thing. Which, I mean, I'm sure he just left her. I mean, this isn't gonna happen to him, but for fuck's sake, like, I hope it does. I hope he fucking way, you know, sticks it out and takes his fucking lashes. Because if you're that fucking stupid to think, hey, I'm going to leave the safety and peace of, where does he live in Spain? I'm sure he lives in Spain. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Who the fuck does Ronaldo play for? Because he plays in La Liga, maybe. Oh, God. And I think that's, ah, fuck it. Wherever the fuck Ronaldo lives, Probably pretty peaceful place. And I'm sure he has a, some giant fucking mansion. Um, probably has, you know, unlimited bubble baths. Whatever the fuck rich people do. Um, probably doesn't have to reuse towels more than, you know, once or twice. You know, rich people shit. Um, don't go to fucking... Don't go anywhere. Like, god damn, I, I live in damn near absolute squalor. And I still don't want to leave my fucking place. I mean, I can't imagine if I lived in the you know the the situation Ronaldo's living in, you couldn't fucking get me out of that goddamn house. And especially to go to fucking Iran, holy shit, no way, no no way, Jose, <coughs> no way, Ronaldo. Oh, uh, anyways, all right, let's go to the last one for the day. Uh, so this. Not really a news thing. It's just a thing I saw that really had me fucking kind of flustered. So, Airbnb culture has gotten... Boy, it's gotten pretty out of hand. So, these are actual checkout instructions for... Uh, someone posted this online. They're checkout instructions for uh, for them, like the things that they need to do before they check out of their Airbnb. I'm just going to run through them real quick. Strip all white linens from beds and leave them on bedroom floor. Leave comforter on bed. Start a load of all white towels. Use bleach. Wash and put away all dishes and glasses. Remove all food from refrigerator. Remove all trash from bathrooms and kitchen and replace bags. Place trash in brown bin and garage. Leave floors how you found them. Clean and clutter-free. Clean with Swiffer if needed. Things to remember. Double-check all bedrooms and bathrooms for personal belongings. Lock all doors and windows. Thank you and come back soon. Let me tell you something. If I, well, one, I'm never getting an Airbnb. I am way too paranoid of a fucking person to ever step foot in, to rent an Airbnb. I am 99% sure that all the people who own Airbnbs are just putting cameras everywhere so they can spy on people. I have no idea whether that even ever really happens, but that's what I think. I'm not staying in someone's house. Uh, like when I was a kid, fucking hated sleepovers. I hated sleep. I still hate sleeping in someone else's house. Ugh. I'll sleep in a hotel any day of the week. And to that point, hold on. To that point, 
uh, Holiday Inn Express, <laughs> Holiday Inn Express is not having you do any of this kind of bullshit. Holiday Inn, Howard Johnson, uh, fucking Red Roof, none of them are having you do any of this shit. Go stay in a hotel like a normal fucking person. I'll tell you what, if I did, for whatever reason, have to stay in an Airbnb, and I saw these fucking instructions, there is damn near a 100% chance that I am squatting down on the bed after removing the fucking linens from the bed and dropping a fucking three-coil splitter right in the center of that goddamn California king. And... I'll probably piss in. The, I'll shit in the sink. I'm shitting everywhere in this house, and I'm, boy, I am. I'm leaving refrigerator open. I'm fucking. I'm ruining this house. They're gonna have to put one of those big ass fucking fumigation tents over this house whenever I'm done. I will go. I will go to KFC, and I will get a fucking whatever the largest family pack you can get at KFC. I'm getting three of them, tearing them down. And I am just spraying this house. I mean, the fucking audacity to say to have people who are paying so much money for Airbnbs. I mean, well, actually, Airbnbs in some ways are, you know, I guess less expensive. But all those fucking fees, cleaning fees and all this bullshit, for them to have... And this isn't like an uncommon thing. This is actually... I mean, this kind of bullshit is decently common for Airbnbs. Just stay in a fucking hotel. You don't have to do anything. You can fucking jerk off everywhere in a hotel. And they encourage it, pretty much. I mean, they'll leave you an extra men on your pillow, depending on how many loads they find. It's like a like a fucking pornographic Easter egg hunt. Anyways, that's... I'm just saying, if you ever stay in an Airbnb and you see some bullshit like this, shit everywhere. Don't flush a single toilet the entire week that you're there. I'm telling I would have it. I'd be having poop soup in every fucking hole. In, in anything bowl-shaped in this house. Not even just the toilets. I'm fucking putting you know the stopper in the sink. I'm filling that fucker up. I am. It is, it's poop soup everywhere. That's, you know. <sighs> Anyways. So let's move on. Uh, to uh, this week's uh, My Mount Rushmore. We're getting close to Halloween, so I'm going to go ahead and knock out um, what I think the top four greatest horror movies of all time. All right, so now moving into uh, second segment, My Mount Rushmore. So again, Halloween around the corner. going to go through my top four favorite horror movies of all time. Um, this time I'm going to go like least favorite to most favorite, but it really doesn't fucking matter. It's Mount Rushmore. God damn it. So <coughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So we're going to run through these, um, see, you know, to me, what are my favorite, uh, Halloween movies where if they were ever going to make a Mount Rushmore dedicated to horror movies, these would be the four movies that should be carved into that some bitch. So, starting with number one, 90s classic, directed by Wes Craven, Scream. Starring uh, Nev Campbell, Skeet Ulrich, David Arquette, Rose McGowan. Oh, Courtney Cox. Yeah. Henry Winkler. <laughs> Andrew Barrymore. Uh, so, to me, 
this movie, Scream, is the perfect blend of being a legitimate horror movie, but then also having that kind of meta like realization that there are dumb shit. There are dumb things that happen in horror movies. There's like a pattern in horror movies. And as far as I know, this is the first movie that ever did that with any movie that like address, except maybe like last action hero. Isn't that what it's with Arnold where it kind of like sort of like works in itself, like makes fun of action movies. So I guess that, and I think it came out in 93 and I'm pretty sure this was 96. So, okay. So last action hero would be like the action version of this, or this is the horror version of last action hero, but it like, Oh, Jamie Kennedy also in this movie. Um, but how they're able to like shit on in a way, which I believe is written by Kevin Williamson, who fucking genius screenwriter. And Kevin Williamson is basically like going through the tropes of horror movies and kind of like making fun of the fact that they are, that they are tropes in horror movies, but not changing them. Like most of the shit that they're making fun of, they still do throughout the movie. Like, oh, this is when the bad guy jumps up one last time and then you kill. And then it happens. Um, Jamie Kennedy, at one point, in what I think is one of the greatest, here, I'll take this off, in what I think is one of the greatest kind of like behind the scenes and in the movie, like it's in and out of the movie at the same time scenes. And it's where. Jamie Kennedy is watching Halloween and he is telling Jamie Lee Curtis, look behind you, Jamie, look behind you, Jamie. Well, fucking Jamie Kennedy is the person's coming up behind him. So it's like working on itself. That's fucking genius to me. And yeah, it's like you didn't know that the actor's name is Jamie Kennedy. That would just be whatever. But like, I don't know. There's so, the scream is just to me. It's the best horror movie of the past. I mean, I guess so. this will be kind of a spoiler. It's the best horror movie of the past 30 years, without a doubt. Like, I mean, I like the... Con- so, yeah, another, I guess another little spoiler for the Rushmore thing. The Conjuring ain't on the list. Um, Sinister, It, none of those movies are on here. But I do think those are amazing movies. But none of them touch this fucking movie. And it's like the only horror movie that the sequels are good. I mean, I'm not saying they're all, like, amazing. But I like the fucking... Son of a bitch. I like the sequels to Scream. Because the sequels also continue that idea of, like, we are making fun of the fact that there are now six of these fucking movies. Or maybe even seven now. I think six. Like, they're... They continue that theme throughout all of them. So, yeah. Scream definitely number one. Number two... Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Holy fuck. Rosemary's Baby is a movie that like I had just always heard about but didn't watch until I was probably like 13 or 14. But like, you know, would watch documentaries about like you know, those like AFI top whatever, top 100, top 10 horror movie whatever and see Rosemary's Baby and like I have to watch this movie. It's about the goddamn devil. I'll be into it. Um yeah, this movie is incredible. So Rosemary's Baby, directed by Roman Polanski, who, boy, I have dove pretty deep into the world of Roman Polanski. But just as a little bit of a backup, Roman Polanski 
Holocaust survivor as a very young child, uh, ends up making his way into like Sweden, I think, and then basically gets his skull crushed uh, by people who like find out, I guess, find out that he's Jewish and just basically try to beat him to death. And he's a little fucking kid. So that fucks him up. Ends up making his way to the U.S., marries this actress, Sharon Tate. They get pregnant. She's like nine months or eight months pregnant. Damn near about to have the kid. And then she gets murdered along with her friends by Charles Manson and the Manson or by the Manson family under the guidance of Charles Manson. And then Roman Polanski basically things go to. And then Roman Polanski, uh, well, makes a real bad fucking decision and finds himself in a compromising position with a 13 year old who he had been like giving alcohol, basically like having over as a doing like a photo shoot, I believe. And also, if I'm not mistaken, it was Jack Nicholson's house. I think. I might be wrong about that. I'm pretty sure they were at Jack Nicholson's house, which is mm, all right. But yeah, he ends up raping, a, molesting a 13 year old and ends up like fleeing to France where he has been ever since. And yet still makes movies and he won a fucking Oscar. <laughs> Roman Polanski won an Oscar for the pianist. Wow. Basically, you know, in flee after fleeing from the U S like for fucking molesting a 13 year old, they still give him a fucking Oscar. That's why Hollywood is not as fucking progressive as people want to think. The Hollywood's only progressive if, you know, and gives a shit about like, you know, like women, LGBTQ, like any like marginalized group. Hollywood only cares about them if they aren't involved in Hollywood. If you're involved in Hollywood, whatever the fuck you do is more important than that. Roman Polanski is a perfect example, as is Woody Allen. Um, anyways, Rosemary's Baby, story of a woman who, I mean, is basically tricked into having the child of the devil. <laughs> Boy, is it a, that's a wild one. So Rosemary's Baby, definitely up there. Number three, of course, The Shining. Uh, so, right there, old Jackie boy. The Shining, to me... So, the first time I ever watched The Shining, I was a little kid. The only reason I watched it is because me and my cousin were looking through one of our other uncle's movies. Because they were basically just like, go find a movie, watch a movie, leave us the fuck alone. We're about to get all get drunk and sing Conway Twitty songs as loud as we can. Um, so you guys need to go find some shit to do. So other uncle had a bunch of fucking VHSs. He's like, just go fucking find a movie to watch. Um, so we being like young children, uh, just start looking on the back of them and finding any of them that say rated R for nudity. <laughs> and so we end up watching Bram Stoker's Dracula, which I mean, definitely, you know, check mark on that. But then we end up watching The Shining <laughs> because technically there is a nude woman in the movie. And oh my God, did it fuck my little 10 year old brain up? Um, yeah, I, I think up till that point, that is the most terrified I've ever been in my life. Like not just watching a movie, just in general is being out, oh yeah, we were also camping, like out in the middle of the fucking woods uh, when this is going on. So, you know, there's that. But yeah, 
boy, The Shining really did a number on me. And then I just became obsessed with it ever since and like trying to and just learning all about Stanley Kubrick and how he was a fucking oh boy, was he a fucking monster on the set of this movie. I mean, he basically ruined Shelley Duvall's brain, um, which if you want to look up, um, if you want to see anything sad, just look up Shelley Duvall now. Holy fuck. And it's basically all due to Stanley Kubrick mentally and physically torturing her on the set of this movie while treating Jack Nicholson like he's, you know, his best friend. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you could, you can look back at Stanley Kubrick and obviously say like one of the greatest directors of all time, but you could also say, um, well, just what a bit, he's kind of a piece of shit. Like you don't have to do any of this shit. Like you don't have to make people do 170 takes of one scene and you're just going to use the third one. Like you don't have to do that. You don't have to be that much of a prick, but he made amazing movies. So, there's that. Now, final one. This is my favorite horror movie of all time. It's obviously a fucking classic. The Exorcist. So, The Exorcist. Sorry, Ellen Burstyn, Linda Blair, Max von Sydow. Um, So, I don't know about this new one. I'm going to watch it because I love The Exorcist. Actually, anything involving possession, anything involving the Catholic Church... I am <laughs> immediately interested in because there is something just inherently terrifying about the Catholic Church. So you mix that with like the devil, I am in. Um, and I will watch any possession movie as long as it involves a priest trying to rid this fucker from that demon. So whether it's fucking um, the right, all the exorcist movies, um, Shit, the conjuring, uh, anything like that. I'm, I'm in. Um, shit, there was one I watched something long ago with like Danny Houston and Jenna Malone. Fuck, I wish I could remember what it's called. Actually, pretty good movie. Of uh, the Pope's Exorcist, Russell Crowe, I thought was actually pretty good. Um, but yes, nothing comes close to The Exorcist. Now, granted, The Exorcist directed by William Friedkin, who just recently passed away. Rest in piss, fella. Um, William Friedkin, <laughs> boy, made some interesting films throughout his career. Specifically, this one, Cruising and Killer Joe. Uh, and Bug. Bug is a, boy, that's a fucking, that's a movie that kind of just really doesn't make you feel good. Actually, none of his movies really make you feel good. Cruising definitely doesn't. Um, this movie is probably, this is actually probably his most feel-good movie. <laughs> which is, you know, pretty crazy. There's also a serial killer in this movie. Not a character. the An actor who who was serial killing while they were making this movie. Um, which I did a whole video on that, so you can find that if you want to learn more about it. It's a guy's name, I think it was Paul Robeson. If I'm saying it right. Or remembering it right. Anyways, Exorcist, still to this day, I think one of the greatest movies ever made. Not just horror. Like, it's in my top three greatest films of all time. Um, everything about this movie is perfect. The acting is perfect. The build-up, the suspense, the makeup, um, the effects. I mean, the voice, like, that voice coming from that girl is still fucking terrifying. And this movie was made 50 years ago? Yeah, yeah. This year, 50 years. It came out in 73, I think. So, yeah, this is the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist. 
and it still holds up. Like there's no movies from that time that hold up the way The Exorcist holds up, and The Exorcist shouldn't hold up. Horror movies usually don't. Like you go back and watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, shit, even, well, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, kind of, but like a lot of movies, just eh, they end up being really stupid and cheesy. Like after twenty years, this movie is fifty years old and still awesome. Granted, also Rosemary's Baby still holds up pretty good too. But there's even some parts of Rosemary's Baby where you're like, oh, I can tell this movie was made a while ago. The Exorcist, like, there's not really that in this movie. Like, it's pretty much. This movie could have come out at any time and still good. Now, that being said, they are about to do it uh, in, I don't know, like a week or two. If it hasn't, it may have already come out, actually. Um, it's going to be bad. It is going to be very bad. But I will watch it and hope for the best. So, anyway, so there's my Mount Rushmore uh, of horror movies. What I think are the four greatest horror movies ever made. All right, so for this week's segment of um, where that come from, taking a word, very well-known word, that most people who think they know where this word come from, or most people who think that they know where this word came from, um, they say that it was invented by William Shakespeare. That's not true. So actually... The majority of the words, like if you were to Google words invented by William Shakespeare, it's going to come up with hundreds of words that are allegedly coined by William Shakespeare. He most likely didn't invent hardly any of that shit. Now, there's a few that, yeah, it is like the first time in writing that this word was used. Most of them, it isn't. Like he, he heard it from something that, you know, it wasn't popular until Shakespeare used it. This is one of those words. So, before Shakespeare's around, there was a series of wars called the Crusades. I think everybody's probably, everyone knows the word, like everybody knows the term the Crusades. I've heard it a million times. Basically, it's a war for the Holy Land between the Christians and the uh, Muslims. Like the Islamic faith, the Christian faith, battling for control of the Holy Land. That's the boiled down history of what the Crusades are or were. And so you have like the Knights Templar, um, who, you know, are like the top fucking dogs in the, you know, European side of the Crusades. And then for the Muslim side, they also kind of have their Knights Templar, like the most badass uh, soldiers for their fight in the Crusades. Now, they, one of the reasons why this group of people on the Muslim side were so good at what they did and so feared and just badass uh, warriors is because they were fucked up on drugs the entire time, <laughs> which is actually a pretty common occurrence throughout history. The kamikazes were taking crazy amounts of meth, as were the Nazis, Uh you know, if you take a drug that makes you feel fearless, <laughs> you are way more likely to go out and risk your life in the fucking throes of battle. 
so same thing happened in the Crusades. Same thing that happened during the 1940s in World War II was the same shit that happened, you know, what, 700, 600 years earlier in the Crusades. So there was a group of Muslim, uh, like a pretty large group of Muslim soldiers who would take drugs before going into battle. So they felt basically invincible. Now, their drug of choice was the drug hash. And they would take a lot of it (laughs) and go out and just, you know, basically whoop ass, you know, until they didn't. (laughs) So these sons of bitches were just getting fucked up on hash, running out there, probably screaming their asses off and then probably killed a few uh, Christians and then, you know, probably took one to the chest and, well, that's the end. But got a whole lineup behind them of people fucked up on hash. Now, because this group of Muslim soldiers during the Crusades were taking the drug hash, they started getting a name for themselves. And that name was Hash Hash Ends. So, they were the people who took a large amount of hash and went into battle. Well, over time, that name, Hash Hash Ends, got anglicized. And it went from Hash Hashens to Assassins. And that is where we get the word Assassin. So, hope you found that to be you know, slightly entertaining. Um, is it 100% accurate? Probably not. I'm sure I have fucked up somewhere along the line, but, you know, that's how history works. You kind of just remember the bullet points, and then you tell it to someone as though you are basically reciting the gospel. (laughs) And hope no one questions you. So, anyways, with that being said, let's move on to half-assed. Alright, so, first story of the day. Involves another name that you probably have never heard. It's a guy named George Spencer. It's George Spencer. <laughs> oh, boy. George Spencer lived in uh, New Haven, Connecticut in the 1600s. And at this time, well, like most of the American colonies, very, uh, very puritanical religious community. Uh, did not take too kindly to any uh, sinning. <laughs> well, George Spencer was a bit of a rebel and kind of just always getting in trouble. So already the people in New Haven are like, we kind of don't fuck with George Spencer. Also, on top of that, George Spencer was a servant who was badly deformed, real fucking ugly, bald, and had one eye missing. So he had a glass eye that apparently was pretty terrifying in the 1600s (laughs) so everybody just kind of was like yeah fuck george spencer he kind of sucks he's weird as shit he smells terrible looks disgusting and he fucking like steals shit all the time so they the people of new haven connecticut are kind of looking for any reason they can find to get rid of this son of a bitch well one little pig farmer um I guess got lucky and was going out to check his sow who was giving birth. Well, 
one of the piglets that this sow gave birth to was also very deformed and had an eye missing. The people of New Haven saw it as basically an abomination of God due to the fact that one of the members of their community, George Spencer, was an asshole. And so they said, like, basically either God sent this fucking pig down, this deformed piglet down, um, is like a sign that we need to get rid of George Spencer, or George Spencer may have fucked this pig and had a pig-human baby. Uh, either one does not go well for <laughs> either one of those things um, puts George Spencer in some hot water. So the local people are like, we need to bring George Spencer to justice <laughs> and have a trial because he may have, in fact, either had sex with a pig or God does not want George Spencer around and we need to take care of this. So they end up as it should be known, George Spencer, not the smartest human being on the planet. Now, granted, neither were most people in the 1600s, especially the Puritans of the, uh, you know, new colonies. Um, but George Spencer, yeah, kind of a dumbass. Um, I think in today's world, people would say he had, you know, some pretty severe mental disabilities. Um, they don't give a fuck about that back then. So George Spencer basically is getting questioned relentlessly about what happened between him and the pig. Why is there a piglet that kind of looks like you? <laughs> and George Spencer is like, I don't know what's going on right now. They basically tell him, if you confess to us and just say that you did it, hey, you are going to be spared. And so he is like, all right, fine. I did it. I'm the reason that there is a deformed piglet. <laughs> it, it came from me in some way. So they go, gotcha, bitch. And they fucking put him on trial, have his testimony. Also, they use the deformed dead piglet as a witness during the trial. Again, people in the 1600s, idiots. Um... So the piglet is on trial, and the piglet, I guess, points to George Spencer, and it's like, yeah, that's my dad. Um, well, they end up, on April 8th, 1642, going out and killing the female pig, the sow. So this pig's gone. And hanging George Spencer. So George Spencer, on April 8th, 1642, is killed by the, you know, judge... Like basically, sentenced to death. 1642, George Spencer hung, killed um, for a crime he obviously did not commit. <laughs> now, fast forward to eight years ago, 2015, the city of New Haven, Connecticut, issued a pardon to George Spencer, saying that it was in fact a coerced confession and I am quoting the <laughs> the government of New Haven, Connecticut, that it was a biological impossibility <laughs> that he was the father of that piglet. Boy, um, 
So, yeah, poor George Spencer. I mean, yeah, you know, kind of a dick, you know, kind of a dick weed, but shit. Definitely didn't cause, you know, any of that problem. Definitely shouldn't have been fucking hung for it. But that's that's what happened to old uh, George Spencer. So, all right. So, <laughs> here's the uh, second story of the day. This one's a doozy. So, it involves a fellow named Rod Ansel. Rod Ansel, born 1954 um, in Australia. He ends up moving to the Northern Territory uh, at the age of 15. And throughout his life, basically makes his living hunting wild water buffalo. Like, that's, like, his, you know, profession. Not particularly, um, you know, rich guy by any stretch of the imagination. Kind of a dude who just kind of, a dude that basically lives out in the in the wild and, uh, you know, makes his uh, meager living hunting water buffalo. Um, well, in 1977, old Rod is... On a fishing trip, his boat ends up capsizing in the Victoria River, and he ends up drifting out to sea, comes back around, and gets stranded on this island off the coast of Australia. And according to Rod Ansel, lives off of nothing but buffalo meat and honey and buffalo blood for seven weeks. (laughs) <laughs> that's what Rod Ansel said, is that he lived off of really mostly buffalo blood and honey um, for seven weeks. And then he's actually finally rescued. Now, Rod Ansel is um, you know, rescued, goes back home. He doesn't really think anything about this is like that crazy, uh, mostly because he's also kind of crazy. But Rod Ansel just goes back home. He's like, all right, whatever. Well... He ends up, you know, he has a wife, kids, like normal life back home. And his story starts getting spread around. And people are like, damn, that's that is insane that you survived for seven weeks on a deserted island after fucking (laughs) drifting out into the sea, living off of blood and honey. And Rod Ansel does not understand why people think this is that crazy, but people do. Now, also, needs to be known, a lot of people think that his story is complete bullshit and think that none of that really happened, or very a very small amount of that actually happened, and that, in fact, Rod Ansel was most likely poaching crocodiles. That's what some people think. Now, this story ends up just, again, getting spread around the country, and a guy, an Australian fella, in the, uh, sh- in the showbiz world, finds it to be fascinating as well and decides to create a movie based on this idea, based on Rod Ansel's story. Um, I mean, it, not necessarily based on his life, but this guy, a fellow named Paul Hogan, decides, man, I would like to maybe write a character that is similar to Rod Ansel, and he ends up creating the character along with two co-writers creating the character of a Crocodile Dundee and they end up making the film Crocodile Dundee so Crocodile Dundee starring Paul Hogan is loosely inspired by Rod Ansel well Rod is not a fan of this hates it in fact and sues Paul Hogan (laughs) saying like yeah I 
don't want this at all. I don't want any attention. I don't want people thinking shit about me. Like, leave me alone. So he sues Paul Hogan, and it, it turns into, like, basically a shit show. As does, well, really the remainder of Rod Ansel's life. So Rod Ansel ends up becoming... Life goes downhill. He loses his farm, loses his money, and he becomes a massive meth addict. Um, and, you know, for anyone who's been around meth addiction, <laughs> that usually goes that goes south real fast. So Rod Ansel is becoming more and more just like paranoid and delusional side effect of meth addiction. Um, he ends up believing that the Freemasons have kidnapped two of his, his two sons. So he ends up believing that his two sons have been kidnapped by Freemasons and that he needs to rescue his children from the Freemasons. Um, and like all authority figures are on the side of the Freemasons. Well, <laughs> on August 3rd, on August 3rd, 1999, Rod Ansel ambushes two police officers when he does, he ends up shooting and killing one of those police officers. And they call in for backup, and a lot more show up. Uh, Rod's wife ends up like fleeing. Rod ends up getting shot with a shotgun by one of the uh, backup officers and killed. So that is how. <laughs> that is the story of the real Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, that was not in the movie. Or in the sequels, I don't believe. So, yeah, probably should make another one and include a meth shootout <laughs> between, uh, you know, Paul Hogan and the cops. But, yeah, so there's the story of Rod Ansel. Now, time to move on to another one uh, involving, I would say, one of the biggest douchebags in uh, movie history. All right, so here's the <laughs> final story of the day. Again, involves a fella that is probably going to become a recurring theme of this uh, segment over the next couple of weeks. Because I did a deep dive into his life and boy, there's a lot to go through. <laughs> so we're just going to start from um, <clears throat> the somewhat the beginning. So. His story starts with the story of a fellow named Michael Ovitz. Michael Ovitz, arguably one of the most successful talent agents ever, uh, created the, I mean, created without a doubt <clears throat> what is one of the, <clears throat> God damn. So Michael Ovitz created one of the largest talent agencies in the world. I mean, he is like a super agent. Very, very rich, very wealthy, very powerful in Hollywood. Well, one day, Michael Ovitz is hanging out with a couple producers and some other agents. And they are basically debating on like how good they are at making people famous. And like just kind of bragging about like who's better at making a star. And it turns into a debate of could you make anyone famous? Like, could me, with my super agent powers, turn any regular person into a star? And they start betting six figures on who could make the most unlikable, 
uncharismatic, untalented asshole famous. And <laughs> who could make that person start? So they have to decide, well, who is that person going to be? Who is someone that is so unlikable, so has zero charisma, and is just a complete talentless asshole? Do we know anyone that we could turn into a star and see who could turn him into a star? Michael Ovitz is like, oh, I'm going to win this money because I know the perfect person who fits all of those characteristics. And that person is my Aikido instructor, Steven Seagal. <laughs> so Steven Seagal, before he was a famous actor, um, well, and before he started, you know, hanging out with fucking Vladimir Putin, dressing like a porno James Bond villain, <clears throat> Steven Seagal was just an Aikido instructor who actually worked with like quite a few famous people basically showing off this martial art Aikido, which is, you know, I'm no martial arts expert, obviously, uh, but it looks like a whole lot of bullshit to me. Irregardless, Steven Seagal is teaching Michael Ovitz this martial art, and Michael Ovitz is just, I guess, flabbergasted with how much of a douchebag this person is, and is like, well, you know, whatever. And then this bet comes along, he's like, oh my god, I'm, I'm gonna fucking do it. Now, the that's one side of what's going on with uh, the birth of Steven Seagal. The other side is that Steven Seagal was also instructing a fella who was the son of a pretty high-ranking person in the mafia. And they are also wanting to kind of dip their toes in the water of the movie industry. Like, hey, we could probably make some fucking money producing movies. And, you know, the son is like, oh, well, my instructor could be like a martial arts actor and could become famous doing that. And so a big chunk of Steven Seagal's roles and movies. So like a big chunk of the movies that Steven Seagal was in, especially in like the early days, were funded by the mafia because they had basically invested all this money into Steven Seagal becoming famous. Now, that may sound like complete bullshit, and I understand like that these two forces coming together i mean i mean you know what how do you explain steven seagal becoming famous other than the fact that one of the richest talent agents in the world and the mafia were working hand in hand to create fame and success out of that son of a bitch well i mean they fucking did it because steven seagal is pretty famous for a while um now, Steven Seagal started earning all this money. Quite a bit of that money belongs to the mafia. And Steven Seagal is not paying up. So, at one point, he gets basically a shakedown from the mafia. And this became, like, you know, front page news for a little while. So, if you don't believe me that Steven Seagal was involved pretty fucking heavily with the mafia, just look it up yourself. God damn it. Now, that's just the taste of the world of Steven Seagal. <laughs> so... I'm just going to leave it there. And next, it, this is going to continue for a little while. So, boy, I hope, I hope you enjoy it. Because, I mean, he's just really such an asshole. And, you know, this should be fun. So, with that being said, that'll do it for uh, this week's episode. 
Again, like and subscribe. Uh, tell a friend. Check out the merch store. Leave comments. Share. You know, all that good stuff. Fucking help me out a little bit. Holy shit. The world's about to end. Uh, we're all about to be fucking... We're all either about to be ruled under, you know, Israel, Palestine. I don't know what's going on. Something bad is going to happen probably, but, you know, until then, might as well waste your days watching this bullshit. All right. Well, until next week, goodbye.